Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, temporary number, 866-505-4626. 866-505-4626. I haven't heard anything about layoffs in newsrooms or newsrooms cutting back. And I tell you, I really feel they should because... We're getting confusing information, but it's always being hyped, hyped, hyped. I'm embarrassed to say it's on talk radio, too. Is this a very serious situation? Yes. It doesn't help the situation. It doesn't help the American people. When people who know very little about anything are on TV, who are writing columns, who are on the radio, just hyping the hell out of this thing. You don't need to hype the hell out of this thing. It's bad enough. It's bad enough. They do a grave disservice to this country. The people need to rally. The people need to unite. We need to be mindful that we don't destroy our institutions while trying to save them. I mean, it's just incredible. What passes as news, what passes as information, what passes as entertainment. I don't know how you can stand it out there. I can't stand it. I really can't. What are you learning? People bloviating, positioning, who came up with what idea, who came up with what idea first. It's crazy. Let me try this. I want to thank a number of people, and a number of industries in this country for being steadfast, for serving the interests of the American people, and for being courageous. First and foremost, I want to thank the truckers in this country. If it wasn't for the truckers, you wouldn't have food, or bottled water, or toilet paper, any of the rest of it. And they keep plowing ahead and plowing ahead without complaint. I want to thank the United States Post Office. Those postal clerks are standing at their positions every single day. I was in there the other day. I'm quite friendly with a number of the clerks there. They have their gloves on processing the mail. I want to thank UPS and Federal Express for continuing to deliver crucial information, crucial products to the American people. That hand sanitizer and the wet ones and all the rest you're ordering on 
on various sites have to be delivered to your home. I want to thank Amazon, which has done a hell of a job and is doing a hell of a job. And all the delivery people in this country, whether you're delivering food from the supermarkets or pizzerias because people are trying to stay home, you're terrific. The president says this is a war. You're the infantry, not the morons on TV, the morons on radio, the morons who write for a living. You are. You're making this country work. The Uber drivers, the taxi drivers, the bus drivers, truly special people. The pilots, the co-pilots, the flight attendants. Thank you. The people at the gates at the airports, the people who handle the ticket counters, thank you. You're doing a hell of a job. And I can go down the list. Everybody's not staying home. Everybody's not unemployed. As I drove around today trying to take in information so I can come behind this microphone and talk to you about it, the construction workers are still working. I see them. So the bricklayers, the roofers, and I'm sure there's electricians and plumbers, they're still working. And again, the doctors, the nurses, the people who's helped them and support them. I went to my cardiologist's office last week. There they are, working at their desks, not panicking like some jackass on TV or radio. They're doing their jobs. Now, I understand that this isn't the case with all industries and businesses. I truly do. That some have been badly, badly hit. And I'm enormously sympathetic for what's going on. But 95% or 90% of the American people are still working. And these clowns on TV and radio and in the media, you're scaring the hell out of them. We're smart. We, the American people, we don't need to be badgered day in and day out, banged up, bang, bang, over and over and over again, over the heads. These crazy-ass websites. We know what's happening. This is a virus. It is the Wuhan, China, coronavirus. We know that it's spreading. We know that when more tests are taken, that there's going to be a whole lot more people who have them. We know that more people are going to get sick. We know that more people are going to pass away. But we also know that the overwhelming vast majority of us will not. Now, I don't know how else to discuss this day in and day out. What happens is... The demagogues and propagandists keep explaining how they're right when the numbers go up. We already know the numbers are going to go up. It's not about them being right. They don't know what the hell they're talking about. They're reading the same thing I'm reading, the same thing you're reading. So why are they going on TV and radio? and Why are they writing to freak you out? How about just 
Give us the news. Give us the information. What's going on? You look at these politicians. They're in a bidding war. Who can spend more? Give a thousand, two thousand dollars to everybody? Why would you give a thousand or two thousand dollars to people who are not affected economically? Why would you do that? Because we want to stimulate the economy. You're not going to stimulate the economy. You can't have governors and mayors shutting down industries and businesses, being lauded for it, being called true statesmen and leaders, and then throw money at the patrons who don't have anywhere to spend it. This is a different type of an economic situation. In modern times, we've never seen anything like this. This wasn't caused by a stock market crash. This wasn't caused by tight money by the Fed. This wasn't caused by deficit spending. This was caused by a reaction to the virus, where you have affirmative steps being taken in the name of health and the name of protection to shut down businesses. I am not against helping those businesses that are forcibly shut down. Again, I compare this to if you have a company that's competing with another company and not through competition, but finds ways to destroy its competition, burn down the building or whatever it is, then that party needs to have recomp- be recompensed. If the federal government more so, if state or local governments are going to order restaurants, as an example, to close, to close, then there has to be some responsibility for that. But the truckers in this con- uh, country, as my friend Joel Pollack writes at Breitbart, and Breitbart's been one of the better sites, by the way, they're keeping America's supply chains open. The American Trucking Association, whether you're a member or not out there, truckers, you deserve our thank you. All the other entities, all the other groups, all the other people I've been talking about. It's the private sector that's going to get us through this, economically and medically. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about we don't have enough beds. We don't have enough ventilators. We don't have enough respirators. A little bit more about this. I explained to you yesterday that from an economic perspective, it is impossible for industries to operate every minute of every hour, every hour of every day, every day of every week, every week of every month, every month of every year. On an emergency crisis level. It is impossible. To have double, triple the number of ICU beds. On a daily basis. It is impossible to have three, four, five times as many ventilators and respirators. As we normally do. Each and every day. 
It is impossible because they're not used. Now they're needed. So when you say, or people say, why didn't we have? Why didn't we have what? Why didn't you have enough toilet paper two months ago for those of you who are hoarding toilet paper? Well, because events change. Exactly. But there's also other things going on here. And that is, government at various levels has made it extremely difficult for hospitals and others in the healthcare and medical fields to expand. Do you know that states control the number of students who go to medical school? Do you know that states control the number of doctors they want every year, Mr. Bedusa? Did you know this? Well, why don't they lift that? I don't even understand it. Is that some kind of a special interest deal? What's that all about? More when I return. Lovin. I've been talking a lot about the four pillars or purposes of the Hillsdale College mission. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. We focus quite a bit on the first pillar of learning. But what about character? Learning the right things to the point where you truly know them is a rigorous business. It isn't possible without strong character. Hillsdale's great president, Larry Arn, and his outstanding faculty at Hillsdale know that intellectual virtue is meaningless without moral virtue, that having knowledge doesn't mean much if you don't use what you know to serve the good, however possible. And here's an outstanding fact. Every entering freshman at Hillsdale signs an honor code that reads as follows. A Hillsdale College student is honorable in conduct, honest in word and deed, dutiful in study and service, and respectful of the rights of others. Through education, the student rises to self-government. Now, to learn more, visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. For people who are out there wanting more and more and more government, it's interesting. The president has stripped away many regulations so the private sector can more efficiently and effectively deal with this, this crisis and this virus. More and more and more government. I'm going to give you an example. This is a piece from the Mercatus Institute, Mercatus.org, which is a wonderful group. Uh, they used to work out at George Mason University, but maybe they still do. And this is piece is several years old, four or five years old. And they use Virginia as an example. Just listen to this. Certificate of Need Laws. 36 states in the District of Columbia currently limit entry or expansion of healthcare facilities through Certificate of Need or CON programs. These programs prohibit healthcare providers from entering new markets or making changes to their existing capacity without first gaining the approval of state regulators. Since 1973, Virginia has been among the states that restrict the supply of health care in this way. With 19 devices and services, including acute hospital beds, magnetic uh, uh, resonant imaging, MRI scanners, computed uh, tomography, CT scanners, requiring a certificate of need from the state before the device may be purchased or the service may be offered. 
Con restrictions are in addition to the standard licensing and training requirements for medical professionals, but are neither designed nor intended to ensure public health or ensure that medical professionals have the necessary qualifications to do their jobs. Instead, these laws are specifically designed to limit the supply of health care and are traditionally justified with the claim that they reduce and control health care costs. The theory is that by restricting market entry and expansion, states might reduce overinvestment in facilities and equipment. In addition, many states, including Virginia, justify these programs as a way to cross-subsidize health care for the poor. Under these charity care requirements, so-called, providers that receive a certificate of need are typically required to increase the amount of care they provide to the poor. In effect, these programs intend to create quid pro quo arrangements. State governments restrict competition, increasing the cost of health care for some, and in return, medical providers use these contrived profits to increase the care they provide the poor. That's what the government demands. However, these claimed benefits have failed to materialize as intended. Recent research by Thomas Stratman and Jacob Russ demonstrates that there's no relationship between these programs and increased access to health care for the poor. There are, however, serious consequences for continuing to enforce these regulations. In particular, for Virginia, as an example, these programs could meet approximately 10,800 fewer hospital beds, 41 fewer hospitals offering MRI services, and 58 fewer hospitals offering CT scans. For those seeking quality health care throughout Virginia, this means less competition, fewer choices, without increased access for the port. Now, I'm going to go on with this. We're coming up to a break. But how many TV hosts and radio hosts and op-ed writers have pointed this out to you? Instead, it's a war by God. Spend, spend, spend. More government, government, government. How about, in some instances at least, we get government the hell out of the way? So hospitals can expand. So there can be more beds. So they can acquire more MRIs and CTs and respirators and ventilators. Now the problem is all of this is dropping into the president's lap. All these failures, all these these consequences as a result of local, state, and yes, federal action. The president is having to deal with every single damn one of them right now. And to hear the media go on, what about this? Where are the ventilators? What about the beds? Why don't they do just a modicum of research and find out what the problem is? I shall return. I've been talking a lot about the four pillars or purposes of the Hillsdale College mission. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. We focus quite a bit on the first pillar of learning. But what about character? Learning the right things to the point where you truly know them is a rigorous business. It isn't possible without strong character. Hillsdale's great president, Larry Arn, and his outstanding faculty at Hillsdale know that intellectual virtue is meaningless without moral virtue. That having knowledge doesn't mean much if you don't use what you know to serve the good, however possible. And here's an outstanding fact. Every entering freshman at Hillsdale signs an honor code that reads as follows. A Hillsdale College student is honorable in conduct, honest in word and deed, dutiful in study and service, and respectful of the rights of others. Through education, the student rises to self-government. Now, to learn more, visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. 
have a temporary number for you to call. 866-505-4626. That's 866-505-4626. You know, during the, uh, the last three years before this Wuhan Chinese coronavirus, we pointed out here many times, many of you did as callers, how one day something's going to happen to this country that's going to make all of this look so outrageously absurd and a massive distraction. Well, now you have it. For three years, for three years, Washington, D.C. has dragged us through the dirt. The Democrats and the media focused on ousting a president trashing half the country. And now the crisis is here. I want to applaud eight very, very courageous Republican senators who voted against this bill uh, and now on the House bill, the, the coronavirus bill, as you might want to call it, was passed 90 to 8 in the United States Senate. Only eight Republicans voted against it. And it is loaded, loaded with left-wing agenda items that have nothing to do with this virus. And I want to applaud them and thank them. Because very few politicians, let alone citizens, would have the courage to say no. Blackburn of Tennessee, Marsha Blackburn, Jim Inhofe of Oklahoma, Ron Johnson of Wisconsin, Lankford of Oklahoma, Mike Lee of Utah, Rand Paul of Kentucky, (coughs) Ben Sass of Nebraska, and Ben Sass is looking better and better as far as I'm concerned, and Tim Scott of South Carolina, congratulations. To all eight of you, two who didn't vote, Garner of Colorado and Scott of Florida. I would have voted no, too. It's one thing to pinpoint and rationally get aid to where you think aid needs to be gotten. But it's quite another to vote for a massive, bloated bill loaded with left-wing agenda items. And then say, we'll go back and fix it. They never go back and fix anything. Now, I want to get back to this piece. Why don't we have enough hospital beds? Why don't we have this? Why don't we have that? We need more government. We need to nationalize. Certificate of need laws, con laws. Now, these... These laws and programs were first adopted by, amazingly, New York in 1964 as a way they claimed to strengthen regional health planning programs. And over the following 10 years, 23 other states adopted them. Many of these programs were initiated as Section 1122 programs, which were federally funded programs providing Medicare and Medicaid reimbursement for certain approved capital expenditures. So you see the federal tentacles, the state tentacles in the private sector Dictating numbers of beds and numbers of machines. And limiting all the numbers. The passage 
of the National Health Planning and Resources Development Act of 1974, which made certain federal funds contingent on the enactment of these programs, provided a strong incentive for the remaining states to implement these CON programs, Certificate of Need Laws. It was adopted in Virginia in 1973. Again, 36 states and D.C. have them. In the seven years following this mandate, nearly every state without one of these programs took steps to adopt Certificate of Need statutes. By 1982, every state except Louisiana had some form of a CON program. That is, federal, state, regulations, limiting the number of beds, limiting the number of MRI machines, limiting the number of CT machines, limiting the number of whatever. 1987, the federal government repealed its CON program mandate when the ineffectiveness of the regulations as a cost control measure became clear. I think that was Reagan who was president. Twelve states rapidly followed suit and repealed their certificate of need laws in the 1980s. By 2000, Indiana, North Dakota, and Pennsylvania had also repealed their laws. Since 2000, Wisconsin has been the only state to repeal its whole program. Virginia remains among the 36 states, 36 states, along with the District of Columbia that continue to limit entry and expansion within the respective health care markets through certificates of need. On average, states with these CON programs regulate 14 different services, devices, and procedures. Virginia's program currently regulates 19 different services, devices, and procedures, which is more than the national average. Unbelievable. Fourteen states either have no certificate of need laws or they are not in effect. Arizona is typically not counted as a certificate of need state, though it is included because it's the only state to regulate ground ambulance services. That is the number of ambulances. Now, do these programs control costs and increase the poor's access to care? Many early studies found that these programs failed to reduce investment by hospitals. These early studies... But notice, it's always a left-wing ideological agenda. We need to cover the poor, so how do we do that? Less beds, less machines. Drive up costs. It's so counterintuitive. This is in 36 states and D.C. And they were in place when this coronavirus hit. Why aren't there more beds? Why doesn't the federal government get involved? What's with Trump? He needs to step up. He needs to get ahead of the curve. Excuse me. He's doing every damn thing he can, given what's been going on in this country for half a century. Let me continue. Many early states found that these programs fail to reduce investment by hospitals. These early studies also found the programs fail to control costs. While certificates of need are neither controlling costs or increasing charity care, they continue to have lasting effects on the provision of health care services in Virginia and the other states that continue to enforce them. And these effects have largely come in the form of decreased availability of services and lower hospital capacity. May I underscore that? Decreased availability of services. Forget about the virus. This is before the virus. Decreased availability of services, in other words, 
decreased availability of beds and machines and lower hospital capacity. Lower hospital capacity. So in addition to the economic principles that we talked about, that no hospital, no healthcare system, no healthcare facility can be operating at maximum at maximum levels, whatever that is, day in and day out, you have in place in 36 states in the District of Columbia regulations that hamper, cripple expansion. Stratman and Ross present several striking findings regarding the provision of health care in states implementing these programs. First, Con programs are correlated with fewer hospital beds. Listen to me, please. Throughout the United States, there are approximately 362 beds per 100,000 persons. In states such as Virginia that regulate acute hospital beds through their con programs, Stratman and Ross find 131 fewer beds per 100,000 persons. In the case of Virginia, this is the example, Virginia. With its population at approximately 8.26 million, this could mean about 10,800 fewer hospital beds throughout the state as a result of the state's program. Isn't this a little bit more useful than all the hyper BS that you're hearing all day long? Shouldn't this be addressed? Shouldn't these rules be repealed immediately? Not that we can build hospitals and have hospital beds that fast, but shouldn't we address what obstructs our ability? You know, we keep hearing how great all the governors... My God, the governors, that's where the action is, the president, you know. Tell me, New York, what has Cuomo done about the con programs? We have no idea. We have no idea. Because the media don't report it. All they talk about it... Cuomo was fighting Trump, now Cuomo's nice to Trump, now Cuomo's fighting de Blasio, and de Blasio's fighting Cuomo. What the hell does that serve? What purpose? Moreover, several basic health care services that are used for a variety of purposes are limited because of Virginia's CON program across the United States. An average of six hospitals per 500,000 persons offer MRI services. In states such as Virginia that regulate the number of hospitals with MRI machines. Why do they do that? The number of hospitals that offer MRIs is reduced by 2.5 per half a million persons. That can mean 41 fewer hospitals offering MRI services throughout Virginia. The state's CON program also affects the availability of CT services. While an average of nine hospitals per half a million persons offer CT scans... Con regulations are associated with a 37% decrease in these services. So in a state like Virginia, this could mean about 58 fewer hospitals offering CT scan. But Mark, I don't live in Virginia. No, but you might live in California or Illinois or New Jersey or New York or on and on down the list. One of these 36 states. And they are intentionally preventing public and private hospital systems from putting in place more beds and more machines. Forty years of evidence, and this was in 2015, 
demonstrate that these programs do not achieve their intended outcomes. But rather, again, I emphasize, decrease the supply and availability of healthcare services by limiting entry and competition, by limiting expansion. Hey, but we're going to have a hospital boat that has a thousand beds on it. You know what that is? May I be a little vulgar, Mr. Producer? That's pissing in the wind. That is into the wind. That's fine. I'm all for having a hospital bed. Excuse me, a hospital bed with a thousand beds. I'm all for it. But we have bigger, bigger issues and bigger problems than that. For policymakers in this state, this, this Virginia and these other states, this situation pretends, uh, presents an opportunity, this is five years ago, to reverse course and open the market for greater entry, more competition, ultimately more options for those seeking care. I've told you over and over again, the answer to improving our health care system isn't more government, isn't more centralized authority, whether in state capitals or our national capital, it's the opposite. I think they call it capitalism. And it's capitalism that's bringing you your food. It's capitalism. I'll be right back. I've been talking a lot about the four pillars or purposes of the Hillsdale College mission. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. We focus quite a bit on the first pillar of learning. But what about character? Learning the right things to the point where you truly know them is a rigorous business. It isn't possible without strong character. Hillsdale's great president, Larry Arn, and his outstanding faculty at Hillsdale know that intellectual virtue is meaningless without moral virtue. That having knowledge doesn't mean much if you don't use what you know to serve the good, however possible. And here's an outstanding fact. Every entering freshman at Hillsdale signs an honor code that reads as follows. A Hillsdale College student is honorable in conduct, honest in word and deed, dutiful in study and service, and respectful of the rights of others. Through education, the student rises to self-government. Now, to learn more, visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. I just heard a never-Trumper on TV, and they should be banned from TV. I mean, we ought to be social distancing from the never-Trumpers now, at least for the next 90 days. They're just sleazeballs, cheap shot artists. That the governors have been ahead of the president, now finally the president's catching up to the governors. I just read to you information about what goes on in the state of Virginia and 36 other states in the District of Columbia. That they have in place rules that specifically limit the number of beds and impose those limits on private and public hospitals, as well as these these machines, a whole variety of machines. I am the first person to mention this to you. The first person to mention this to you. Because my stepdaughter brought this up to me, and she's in medical school. It's on the Internet. It's a fact. The number of doctors we have is limited. Each state. The number of medical students limited. 
There's a lot of people out there who are brilliant, who don't make the cutoff. It's not because they're poor students or they're ignoramuses. No, they're really smart. But they want to control the supply. We need to increase the supply of medical students. We need to increase the supply of doctors. We need to reduce state control over hospital beds and MRIs and CTs and God knows what other machines. The governors aren't ahead of the president. I don't know of any damn governor in these 36 states has announced that they've done anything about this. Closing down businesses, that's not leadership. Demanding more money from the federal government, that's not leadership. Demanding massive spending and have helicopters, figuratively, dropping cash on one community after the other, that's not rational stimulus. That's hype. With all the reporting and all the talking and all the writing that's been going on, And all the demands for more federal action. Isn't it amazing how little we actually know about our health care system? I never heard of these con programs before. Did you, Mr. Producer? Never. Aren't you shocked by this? And disgusted by this, America? God knows I am. And God knows what was going on at the federal level. You know, Dr. Fauci is highly respected. The President of the United States has been attacked because we haven't had enough tests ready for this virus. And Dr. Fauci said that wasn't the President's fault. How could it be the President's fault? How could it be the President's fault when the day-to-day activity when it comes to these tests and other tests and all the rest of this is handled by these various bureaucracies in our federal government and in our state governments? Was there some urgent notice before the Wuhan, China, coronavirus was made public, that we need more tests? If there was, can I see it somewhere? Where is it? It's nowhere. You bring issues to the president's desk and he makes decisions. He can't dig into the NIH and the CDC and all the rest of it and figure out if there's enough tests available for a virus that we're not even familiar with, yet the media blame the president. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. How are you? Hang in there. Our number, 866-505-4626. 866-505-4626. All right, hold on one second. I'm responding to somebody. It would be counterproductive. I got a lot of people who want to be my producer. 
and who very much want me to make cases and arguments, and some of them very well-meaning, some of them brilliant, loved ones, hate ones, whatever it is. But that's why I do this, and they don't. Happy to consider it, but that's the way it goes. I want to get into more of this with you. Our Treasury Secretary, of whom I'm not a great fan, I've told you that, is Steven Mnuchin. And according to Bloomberg, he raised the possibility with Republican senators that U.S. unemployment could rise to 20% without government intervention because of the impact of the coronavirus. According to people familiar with the matter, he discussed the scenario with the lawmakers yesterday as proposed an economic stimulus of $1 trillion or more. And he believes that this is potentially worse, the economic fallout, than the 2008 financial crisis. I don't disagree with this. What I disagree with is flailing around with massive amounts of money. If there's a potential 20% unemployment, if we don't spend a trillion dollars, then why does the federal government aggressively scale back on our labor laws? To make it much, much easier to hire people in those industries that are not shuttered. Why does it make it much easier to hire people in those industries that are not shuttered? Hire more truckers, as a perfect example. More people who can work at hospitals. More people in manufacturing lines where we need, obviously certain types of products produced. You don't do that by managing everything out of an office in Washington, D.C., and you don't do it by just sprinkling money around with a helicopter, just flying around and dropping it all over the place. So there are things the federal government can do. How about huge tax credits to small, medium, and large businesses who hire people? I even have an idea on this vaccination issue, Mr. Producer. Why not say any pharmaceutical company or collection of pharmaceutical companies, even with the assistance of the various federal departments, that comes up with an effective vaccine, no federal corporate income taxes for a decade, for 10 years. Just think about how much money that would save us. They wouldn't have to pay a cent in corporate income taxes for 10 years, a decade. Why isn't that proposed? Look, everyone has proposals, but I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it differently than most people. Use the strength of our economic system. Use the strength of what motivates people. Use the strength of our intelligence. That's the whole point of capitalism. Telling everybody what to do doesn't fix stuff. Any pharmaceutical company, or any lab for that matter, or any corporation, any business that finds a vaccine, an effective vaccine, and that doesn't even mean for everybody, for most people who come down with this virus, 10 years, no corporate income taxes. Ten years. 
that would encourage them to invest more. That would create an enormous amount of motivation and competition. Some of these corporations that are looking into other illnesses, very, very serious illnesses, by the way, very serious illnesses, may decide, all right, at least temporarily, let's move towards dealing with this virus. So what the hell's wrong with that? It doesn't really cost you or me a nickel. Instead, we're going to give money to people who are working? People who are unemployed for a week? We have unemployment insurance. We have unemployment payments. We have COBRA for people who have health care. We have all this stuff. We have a massive multi-trillion dollar infrastructure for people who lose their jobs. But we want to stimulate the economy. But this isn't going to do it. The other thing I'm concerned about, and I'm not sure how best to handle this. Maybe you can help me with this. I was, uh, I had breakfast at a restaurant a few days back. I'm friendly with the owner, and he told me, you know, business is way down, which is quite obvious. But he also said, I should be okay. I said, how's that? I have income insurance. I said, you have what? Income insurance. I said, what's that? He said, I've been paying for insurance in case, you know, there's a fire in my restaurant, in case there's a health issue with my restaurant, in case I have to close it down for a period of time. I have income insurance. Had you ever heard of this, Mr. Producer? So do most restaurateurs have income insurance? Shouldn't they? Most homeowners have home insurance in case their house burns down or it's flooded or whatever. Car insurance. Maybe this is something that locality should compel. I'm not into the compel business, but I'm not in the business of the federal government nationalizing every crisis either. Maybe localities should focus on what can be done now and in the future. I mean, you're required to have car insurance, right? To ride on the roads? Well, if you expect us to subsidize you when you're facing, you know, these terrible conditions, then I think it's fair to say that these various businesses sort of have, if, they're, if it's available, income insurance, if that's what it's called, whatever it's called, doesn't matter to me. But when the government steps in and subsidizes everything, that is a counterweight against people acting responsibly, right? Why the hell should I get insurance if my, the government's the insurance of the last resort? I'll save the two, three, four hundred, whatever the size of Let's say it's three, four, five hundred dollars a month. I'll just save it. This is part of the problem with FEMA. I'm not saying there shouldn't be a FEMA for natural disasters. But this is part of the problem where people locate their homes and developers build properties in flood zones and hurricane zones and earthquake zones and on and on and on. That's fine if you're prepared to get your own insurance. 
I have insurance on a home that's in a hurricane zone. It's called South Florida. And it costs me a lot of money. That's a risk I'm prepared to take. It's also a risk I'm trying to deal with. So here's a second idea tonight. And again, I'm just throwing these at you. Wrote them down during the break. But this is what Schumer does and what a lot of other people do. But, but mine are not intended to just, hey, spend, spend, spend. How about a, 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 a tax credit? At least going forward. For small businesses that purchase income insurance if the income insurance is available. Doesn't that make more sense? Does it to you, Mr. Producer? In other words, you're incentivizing people to conduct themselves in ways that are accountable and responsible. Now, this can't happen in every respect. I got that. But there's still certain things that can go on. I'm watching these senators go on TV tonight, Republicans. You know, this is a once in a lifetime. I, I understand all that. But that doesn't mean you suspend your rationality. Human nature is a funny thing. The old line is, if you subsidize something, you get more of it. So there are things you can do as a businessman. There are things you can't do, too. There are things that you can do, or perhaps you can do, let me put it that way, depending on your situation, to try and ameliorate a situation like this. I honestly don't understand why we're throwing money at people. This I don't get. I really don't get it. We have unemployment insurance. The employer and the employee pay a lot of money in unemployment insurance. We're not going to use it? Well, we have money on top of that? We have a very expensive and huge food stamp program. They're not going to use that? Well, then what's it for? I don't get it. We have all kinds of health care programs and COBRA programs for those who have been paying into insurance and so forth. Why do we have those? Again, I don't get it. Because this is what politicians do. If Mr. Mnuchin really believes that we could have 20% unemployment, and I don't doubt he believes that, and I don't doubt we're going to have significant unemployment, then why isn't the Treasury Secretary talking to the Labor Secretary about stripping many of the federal labor requirements that make it so difficult to hire people? Why aren't the governors, where all the action is, we're told, by the never-Trumpers, the great governors, where most of the labor rules exist in the states, why aren't they stripping them? Why? Because Cuomo will never do it. The blue state governors will never do it, that's for sure, because of uh, campaign issues and campaign contributions. But shouldn't we make it easier to hire people? Those who want to hire, shouldn't we make it easier to hire people? You know, people are buying a hell of a lot of toilet paper. Did we talk about that, Mr. Producer? I think we did. You know what that means? The factories that are making toilet paper need more employees. The factories that are making hand sanitizer need more employees. 
<coughs> excuse me, the fact the factories that are making medical masks and rubber gloves <coughs> need more employees. They're selling out of all this stuff. The men and women who put meat on our table and chicken on our table, you see what's going on on our shelves and in our freezers and our supermarkets. They need more employees. We need more delivery people. Every aspect of the economy is not on its back. Some aspects of the economy are actually thriving. They can't meet demand. I'm not saying that outweighs the negative. It certainly doesn't. But I'm saying, why don't we make it easier for them to hire people? Why am I the only one thinking this way, Mr. Producer? Why are conservatives going on TV? Bring out the military! Oh, bring out the military! Spend trillions, not just trillions. What is going on? I understand this is a pandemic that could become an epidemic. I understand the numbers are going to explode, and they are. There's going to be more tests, and you're going to find out that there's a hell of a lot of people who have this virus. You're also going to find out that there's a hell of a lot of people who have this virus who are actually living, even though the death numbers are going to go up. But I feel on TV, on radio, and politics, people are positioning themselves. Because they understand that to take a complex matter like this and try to simplify it and try to get in front of it for their own positioning and their own narrative requires them to hype. Like the Never Trumpers that said, the governors have been brilliant. You know, it's the president. Tell me, Mr. Producer, what governor has been brilliant? Shutting down elections, shutting down businesses, shutting down, shutting down. My God, genius, absolute genius. They're making decisions they think they need to make. Could turn out they're wrong. Who knows? Maybe they're right. Doesn't make them brilliant. Doesn't mean the president's behind the curve. Many of these never-Trumpers pretend to be more pure in terms of their conservative beliefs. They certainly don't sound it on TV. They sound like they, uh, they're perfectly happy with iron-fisted quasi-dictatorships. Otherwise, I don't know what they're, they're talking about. My fear is more and more people are comfortable with this. As you hear the carnival barkers, the hysterics, the hyping... People get on TV and radio, they talk real fast, they sound like they know what they're doing, we gotta spend this, go big, And then one day you're gonna turn around and say, hey, wait a minute. What happened to my liberty? What happened? So we need to keep this in mind, at least on this program, that's what we're gonna do. You don't hear any hyped up titles or anything else. I try to look at these, this information factually and to present it to you. I also do an enormous amount of research on my own to try and give you information. And I found a little piece of information I posted earlier today that I want to talk to you about when we return. I'll be right back. Lovin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. 
So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Coronavirus has been found in a common anti-malaria drug. Now that's interesting. And what's up with that? Now this isn't a kook article. Because I read it. It's actually a rather long and involved article. It's presented by James Todaro, medical doctor, and Gregory Reggiano, an attorney in consultation with Stanford University School of Medicine, UAB School of Medicine and National Academy of Science researchers. Recent guidelines from South Korea and China report that chloroquine, chloroquine, some of you take this, some of you know what this is, is an effective antiviral therapeutic treatment against this disease. Use of chloroquine tablets is showing favorable outcomes in humans infected with the, coron- the coronavirus including faster time to recovery and shorter hospital stays. The American CDC research shows that chloroquine also has strong potential as a preventative measure against uh, coronavirus in the lab while we wait for a vaccine to be developed. I'm going to continue this with you when we return, just because I think my role, and frankly the role of all media, is to keep you informed. I'll be right back. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. From our new temporary number, 866-505-4626. That's 866-505-4626. It's amazing, Mr. Producer. People demanding national action, right? But we can't have national radio hosts. Isn't that interesting? Very bizarre, if you ask me. Media Research Center is one of the finest organizations I've ever worked with. Media Research Center has been leading the war against dishonest news for over 30 years because the American people deserve the truth. The media in this country haven't provided the truth for a very long time. They're very good at giving us opinions and propaganda, but the truth, no. 
That's why the work of the MRC, especially their Newsbusters blog, is so important. And they focus 100% of their attention on the anti-Trump media, and they do it like no one else. And you can learn more about the MRC at mrclevin.org, mrclevin.org. MRC's Newsbusters blog is one of the most important websites right now. They're expo- <laughs> excuse me, they're exposing all the media attacks on the president and his response to the uh, the virus outbreak, which has been really, really quite excellent. He's shown enormous leadership. Now, they'll do anything to take down our president. They've demonstrated that, including blaming him for a global pandemic. And as usual, the media never want to let a crisis go to waste. Now, luckily, the team at Newsbusters and the rest of the MRC are there to expose the media's dishonesty and make sure the American people get the truth. That's why we call the MRC America's media watchdog. Many of you are hunkered down. You ought to check it out. Go to mrclevin.com, excuse me, .org to learn more. That's mrclevin.org, mrclevin.org. Now, since I've been leading on this issue, I want to jump back into the pool here. This effort to constantly paint the President of the United States as hateful and bigoted and racist towards Asian Americans by the media is a disgrace. The media are the propagandists for the Chinese government. It is the Chinese communist regime that has pushed the narrative that if you call this virus the Chinese virus or the Wuhan virus, You're obviously a racist. You're stereotyping the Chinese people. When in fact, it has nothing to do with the Chinese people. And everything to do with the communist regime. That regime is responsible for what you are going through today. That regime is responsible for those of you who are unemployed as a result of this virus. That regime is responsible for those of you who run these businesses, restaurants and bars and so forth that are shuddering. That regime is responsible for the people who get sick from this virus and who die from this virus. So let us be abundantly clear. While over at MSNBC and CNN, they went so far as to blame the President of the United States for the illnesses and deaths that result from this virus. This virus, which first broke out in the Wuhan province, they believe it a specific outdoor market which sells to eat snakes, koala bears, dogs, cats, and the rest. At least the scientific theory is, because none of our scientists have been allowed there, or the rest of the free world scientists, is that this is a, a bat, uh, that this virus starts with bats, that it worked its way into the uh, animals, particularly in that live market, And then it was projected onto human beings, either by eating or touching or what have you. The Chinese communist regime, not the Chinese people, the Chinese people are suffering too as a result of this regime. What is wrong with these idiots in our media? What is wrong with the scumbags in our media? The Chinese people are suffering too as a result of what their government did. It's not even their government, it's been imposed on them. And Xi Jinping, the great hero, 
Joe Biden, his old buddy, Tom Friedman, Mike Bloomberg, every Democrat you can think of going soft on China. He covered it up. The early, excuse me, the early doctors who recognized in November they had a problem. They're not with us anymore, ladies and gentlemen. They disappeared. One was an ophthalmologist, an eye doctor. He's gone. The true journalists, the independent citizen journalists who traveled to Wuhan from Beijing, two of them separately, with nothing but an iPhone. You may have heard they're made in China. Nothing but an iPhone. Reporting on what was taking place. Taking video of people being forcibly removed from their homes. They disappeared. They don't exist anymore. The Chinese communist regime covered this up. For at least a month. Covered it up. So other countries couldn't prepare earlier for what was taking place. That's why it's called the China or Chinese virus. That's why it's called the Wuhan virus. And not some clever scientific numbers and combination of numbers and and letters that the World Health Organization has assigned to it, which in many ways is useless in and of itself. The SARS virus, another one, another Chinese regime virus. Can't call it that. No, of course not. You can call Trump Hitler and Mussolini and Stalin anything you want. Mentally ill, on and on and on. But how dare you call a diabolical, evil, genocidal regime that certainly contributed to the vast spread of this disease into our own country and the implications from that, certainly you can call this virus after that regime and after the communities in that country from which this was projected into our country. The media in our country want to debate this, want to try and paint the president as anti-Asian American, as a racist and a bigot. Here we are in the middle of what they tell us. It's the worst crisis we've ever faced. It's not, by the way. It's the worst crisis we've ever faced. Let me put this in some context, as bad as this is. And it's bad, and it's going to get worse. I got it. I understand. I don't know why I have to keep saying that. It's under, you have to be rational. You see it. In the American Civil War, There were over 700,000 killed in a nation of 24 to 25 million people. We had battles where over 30,000 men died in a battle in 24 to 48 hours. In one battle. Again, to put it in perspective, 24 to 25 million people. You can combine the deaths in our war in Iraq and our war in Afghanistan. It doesn't come close to 30, 35,000. And again, as terrible as it is, it's terrible. 
our ancestors. I know this is going to shock everybody, especially the left and especially the media. I'm going to say it anyway. Have faced a lot worse than this. This is bad. I am not downplaying it. I'm trying to provide some perspective. Our ancestors have faced a lot worse than this. That doesn't make it better, especially for those who fall ill and those who pass away in their families. Doesn't make it better for those who lose their jobs and the businesses that shudder. But let's never forget when you hear the hype on radio and the hype on TV and the hype in the media, you don't need to hype a hyper situation. You don't need to hype a hyper situation. Just discuss it. Just provide the facts, provide some news so the American people can make their own decisions. So each of you can make your own decision, come up with your own viewpoint rather than beat you over the head. I want to get back to this that I started with. Chloroquine. Chloroquine. Effective antiviral therapeutic treatment. Not a vaccine. Against the Wuhan virus. The use of chloroquine tablets is showing favorable outcomes in humans infected with the virus, including faster time to recovery, shorter hospital stays. Our own CDC research shows that chloroquine also has strong potential as a preventative measure against the, excuse me, against the virus in the lab while we wait for a vaccine to be developed. Chloroquine is an inexpensive, globally available drug. It has been in widespread human use since 1945 against malaria, autoimmune, and various other conditions. Now, many of you may have autoimmune diseases or weakened immune systems. You might have Crohn's disease, you might have other chronic diseases, you might have Addison's disease, you might have rheumatoid arthritis. You all know what I'm talking, lupus, you you all know what I'm talking about. And there's many others. Our CDC and the World Health Organization have not published treatment measures against coronavirus disease. Medical centers are starting to have issues with traditional protocols, treatments, and ideally a preventative measure are needed. South Korea and China have had significantly more exposure and time to analyze and uh, diagnostics, treatments, preventative options. The problem is we can't get decent information out of China. The U.S., Europe, and the rest of the world can learn from the experience. According to former FDA commissioner, board member of Pfizer and Illumina, Scott Gottlieb, MD, the world can learn the most about the virus by paying closest attention to the response of countries that have had significant exposure. As per the American CDC, chloroquine, I'm quoting, chloroquine, also known as chloroquine phosphate, is an anti-malaria medicine. Chloroquine is available in the United States by prescription only. Chloroquine could be prescribed for either preventative or treatment of malaria. Chloroquine can be prescribed to adults and children of all ages. It can also be safely taken by pregnant women and nursing mothers, quote-unquote, from the CDC. And the CDC research also shows that chloroquine, I'm quoting, can affect virus infection in many ways, and the antiviral effect depends in part on the extent to which the virus utilizes endosomes for entry. Chloroquine has been widely used to treat human diseases such as malaria, 
HIV, autoimmune diseases without significant detrimental side effects. According to the research by the CDC, chloroquine has strong antiviral effects on SARS coronavirus. SARS coronavirus has significant similarities to the Wuhan coronavirus. CDC research was completed in primate cells using chloroquine's well-known function of elevating, you know, this gets into the weeds, but I'm just trying to show you that this is a significant document. Chloroquine. And so I think we should strongly encourage our pharmaceutical companies and our labs, anybody else who's in the business of developing treatments, vaccines, we can do that with, among other things, just an idea that I have a 10-year pass, a 10-year pass on paying corporate, federal corporate income taxes, a 10-year recess for any company that comes up with the effective answer. Maybe it's chloroquine. I don't know. But there are things going on that you're not hearing about. As this thing gets bigger and bigger and bigger, the more tests there are, the more you're going to see the spread of this virus in the United States. I saw Johns Hopkins University doctor slash professor on television the other night. I forget what show, but I saw him and he, he said he believes half a million to a million people in America have this virus. And I thought two things. That's a damn problem. Then I thought another thing. Well, most of them aren't dying. So that's a good thing. I'll be right back. Lovin. baby you know I'm honored to be a part of the Blaze TV community it's a wonderful network my buddy Steven Crowder my buddy Glenn Beck a lot of buddies over there actually could name them all but why would you care and we have Levin TV and we have great things happening over there at Levin TV new things happening starting next week as a matter of fact Now, President Trump has exposed a lot of the corruption of the media since taking office. And the media, through this virus, has exposed themselves, quite frankly. You're a fan of this program, so you've known for years. But there are many out there that are just figuring this out. I wrote a whole book on this, and I've talked about it for a long time. If you don't have a free press, you can lose your republic. And you see what's happening right now in front of your eyes. Now, this media... They think they can pull the wool over your eyes. They think they're smarter than you. They're not. They're very stupid, as a matter of fact. We haven't talked about Joe Biden today, but we will in the next hour. He's their candidate. Here's a man that shouldn't be anywhere near the office of the presidency. Nowhere near the office of the presidency. Matter of fact, he shouldn't be anywhere near the White House. He ought to be enjoying his retirement. But he's not. And this is very 
troubling to me that the Democrat Party would nominate somebody who is just mentally unfit. I'm being honest, not provocative, to be president of the United States and, of course, the media cheerleading for him. It's very important that you watch Levin TV at this time. It's very important during the course of the election. Everything's at stake now. We have an entire team of dedicated producers and researchers whose job it is to bring you the truth. But we can't if you're not there. If you haven't subscribed yet, start a free trial today. I've made this executive decision a free trial today. Just get a taste of Levin TV and all the other great hosts. I I am convinced you'll want to stick with us. Here's what you do. Ready? Write it down. Go to get.blazetv.com slash Levin. Is that right, Mr. Producer? We, we can't make it any more complicated. If you can get through this, you're going to really like it. Get.blazetv.com slash L-E-V-I-N. You can subscribe today and get the free trial. You'll also get $10 off. When you enter promo code LEVIN. So get a free trial. You'll get $10 off our annual subscription. Normally $99. It'll be $89. And you can decide if you you want it. That's get.blazetv.com slash LEVIN. One more time. We can turn this into a song. Get.blazetv.com slash L-E-V-I-N. During the break, go go ahead and check it out. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. I thought I heard a report, I only heard it once, I hope it's not true, that some officials in the administration are thinking that the government could invest in some of these corporations and take an equity position. Have you heard that, Mr. Producer? I'll get to Bernie in a minute. I said somebody in the current administration, or some unnamed source, is that the administration is considering and, and there's so much inaccurate, inaccurate reporting going on, it's hard to know. But I'm quite serious about this. If, if this is true, then we would have the administration proposing government ownership of, per, of certain percentage of these corporations. That, that would be a disaster. Here is Bernie Sanders, as Mr. Producer told me, in Washington last night. Cut to go. We will put conditions 
on this financial assistance to make certain that any corporation in America that benefits from emergency aid does not lay off workers, pays workers a livable wage, and does not rip off consumers. Now, wait a minute. Even the federal government can't meet that standard. It rips off the American people all the time. And it does have reductions in force. Anyway, go ahead. We must make sure that companies that get bailouts are required to sell equity to the government and put workers on their board of directors. What do you folks think of that? What do you folks think of that? So we, uh, we would have the federal government owning shares of corporations and then politicians and bureaucrats deciding who serves on the boards. You understand what I'm saying? I know, I'm a lone voice. I can't help it. I'm going to keep pointing this out. This is, this is absolutely shocking to me. Absolutely shocking to me. Here's Bill de Blasio. You might say these are extreme. No, they're not, ladies and gentlemen. This is a big chunk of the Democrat Party. And even a bigger chunk of the media think this way. Cut four, Mr. Producer. Go. If we even get to shelter in place, we're going to have to come up with huge new approaches to make sure that people have enough food and medicine because they sure as hell don't have income right now. One other thing you heard, Secretary. All right, all right let's, let, let's stop. Most people do have income right now. Okay? Most people have income right now. Most of you, not all of you, most of you listening to me have income right now. This is what I mean, this hype talking down the country. The heights of the Depression, 75% of working-age men and women were working. It's not great to have 25% unemployed. But today, most people are eating. Go ahead. $1,000 in people's pockets is not enough. It's not going to allow people to stay whole and be able to afford the basics in life. Now, I warned you about this. It's never going to be enough. The administration's talking about Two hits, a thousand bucks immediately and another thousand bucks on May 18th or some date. That'll never be enough for the Marxists. It'll never be enough for the Democrats. It'll never be enough for the media. Go ahead. Washington has to get real. If we're going to have an unemployment level that looks like the Great Depression, we need a massive federal relief program that looks like the Great Depression so people are kept whole economically or they will not have money. People were not kept whole during the Great Depression. People suffered during the Great Depression. And they suffered and suffered and suffered as a result of government policies. Go ahead. For food or medicine. That's what I fear. Mm-hmm. Chuck Schumer on the floor of the Senate today. Cut six, go. And unfortunately, we're only just beginning to see the necessary seriousness and mobilization of resources from the federal government. I, I don't know what that means. I have no idea what that means. And neither does Schumer. Go ahead. Unfortunately, and with awful consequences, this administration took far too long to wake up to this global crisis, wasting precious weeks downplaying the severity of the coronavirus. This is the talking point. 
This is the myth they're going to create. This is the narrative now. And there's a lot of conservatives who have played into this. That finally Trump got it right. Finally he's stepping up. Finally he's going big. Whatever goofball phrases they want to use. We didn't understand the virus. The Chinese wouldn't tell us about the virus. The Chinese wouldn't allow us to go there to look into the virus. Our medical bureaucracy didn't have tests related to a virus that we've never seen before. The President of the United States did what he knew to do, did what he could do, secure the border. No Chinese, no people from China coming into the country. I mean, honest to God, I don't know what they expected them to do. I don't remember Chuck Schumer being ahead of this curve. I don't remember Chuck Schumer saying, hey, stop. Stop this impeachment trial. No, we don't want witnesses. No, we can't go on two, three, four, five more weeks. We got to address the Wuhan China coronavirus. Does anybody remember Chuck Schumer saying that? Of course not. This is a flim-flam artist. He contributes nothing, nothing useful, nothing positive to this nation. Go ahead. Could have been spent in earnest preparation, building our test capacity. As a result... Earnest preparation, building our test capacity. When? In November? In December? When you were demanding documents from the president? When you were throwing a thousand subpoenas at him? When you were dragging him into federal court? Folks, I have a long memory on this stuff. I don't forget. Let's remember exactly what was taking place in December and early January. They were fighting over witnesses. Chuck Schumer wanted more witnesses. He wanted more weeks of testimony. Which meant the Senate couldn't do anything. Which meant the president and the administration was bogged down as much as Congress was bogged down. Chuck Schumer needs to be held account for what he did and what he's still doing. Go ahead. The United States continues to lag behind other countries in the number and the percentage of the population we are testing. Stories of Americans who feel sick and are showing symptoms but are unable to access a coronavirus test appear every day in every single I, I, I really don't understand this. How long has Chuck Schumer been in Congress? He's been a congressman and a senator forever. Since he was 25 or 30. He's now in his 60s. He's been in Congress forever. Pelosi's been in Congress forever. Biden was in the Senate forever. Didn't they hold hearings? Don't they know what's going on? They want to talk about tests? Did they not know about tests? Last year, the year before, did they not know about tests when Obama was president? They act like they're new to this. They're just showing up. They have controlled Congress. They've controlled these committees. They have controlled budgets. They've had oversight responsibility over NIH, over the CDC, over the mothership, HHS. Can anybody point the testimony in November? Can anybody point the testimony before Trump was president talking about we need more tests? No, you can't. But here we go. Go ahead. Warnings of a potential shortage of masks. Hospital beds and ventilators appear in the paper every day. Now, this is what I wanted to get to. We talked about the hospital beds, didn't we? We talked about the hospital beds, didn't we? 
which apparently in 36 states, including New York, have been controlled and limited. Chuck Schumer has been a New York politician his entire life. The Democrat Party controls the state of New York, not the President of the United States and not the Republican Party. If Chuck Schumer was worried about ventilators, he showed very little attention to that a month ago, two months ago, or at any time in his career. Did he? He's a complete fraud. Complete fraud. And there he is. Goes unquestioned. Unquestioned. I'll be right back. Mark in. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. I want to remind Chuck Schuper. What did I call him? Chuck Schuper? More like Chuck Stuper. This guy really is a cancer in the body politic. He's a hemorrhoid where hemorrhoids reside. Over at the Daily Caller, flashback January 14. The World Health Organization tells everyone, don't worry because China says coronavirus isn't contagious. But Chuck Schumer doesn't mention that. No criticism for the World Health Organization. Not a word about the regime in China. Nothing. Just trash the president. Because this egomaniac wants to be the majority leader. So the whole country should bend over backwards for Chuck Schumer. This is Chuck Schumer's idea when we're in the middle of this situation. The same guy who threatened two members of the Supreme Court two weeks ago. And everybody forgets that. Except me. Daily Caller, Virginia Crutta. The World Health Organization tried to calm to fears of a pandemic on January 14 by repeating China's claim that coronavirus was not contagious among humans. Quote, preliminary investigations conducted by the Chinese authorities have found no clear evidence of human-to-human transmission of the novel coronavirus identified in Wuhan, China, the WHO tweeted. This is January 14. So what would Schumer have had the president do? If Schumer had his way, John Bolton would be a witness. He'd probably still be testifying. If Mitt Romney wants to give $1,000 to everybody that had his way, John Bolton would still be testifying. All these great leaders we have, just 60 days later, 
The global death toll from coronavirus had topped 8,000 and continued to climb. Over 200,000 cases have been documented in 145 countries. But the virus's means of transmission was far from only the only misinformation coming from Chinese officials. Beijing reported that the first known cases of the novel coronavirus were recorded in mid-December, but later, from outside sources, reporting suggested the earliest cases were actually tracked in November and kept under wraps. I don't hear Schumer on the floor of the Senate talking about this. In addition, Kaxin Global reported that Chinese officials had identified the virus as early as mid-December, but were instructed to destroy both their test results and their samples. We talked about this. The UK Times reported a regional health official in Wuhan, center of the outbreak, demanded the destruction of the lab samples that established the cause of unexplained viral pneumonia on January 1. We talked about this. China did not acknowledge there was human-to-human transmission until more than three weeks later. Where's Schumer on this? Nowhere. President's too slow to react, you know. Schumer was... Charlie on the spot. The World Health Organization announced China had provided the necessary date on the virus in mid-January, a full month after initial data and information had been reportedly destroyed, and a week after officials had reported that it still had not been identified. Now, I would ask these reporters who keep saying, why are you calling it the China virus or the Chinese virus or the Wuhan virus? This is why, you morons, you race-baiting left-wing kooks. Despite the lack of cooperation from China, as other nations began to grapple with the spread of coronavirus, World Health Organization Director General Tedros Adaman, whatever, praised Chinese President Xi Jinping for China's response with regard to testing protocols and quarantines. Now, China's closest friends, like Iran, are having a hell of a time. See, China really screwed its allies. Because they have so much interaction. But China lied to them too. The South China Morning Post noted that one British member of the WHO had referred to the shuttering of Wuhan under a mass quarantine, affecting some 11 million people as heroic, fending off criticism that he made the appreciative remarks just to save China's face. Tedros insisted China doesn't need to be asked to be praised for its efforts to contain the spread of the virus. So the idiot, the head of the World Health Organization, is praising China, praising Xi Jinping for his conduct. A number of public officials also joined the rallying cry, blaming Trump for renaming the virus to blame, unfairly, of course, China, including the media, I might say. MRC TV reported liberal media pundits want you to think referring to the coronavirus as Wuhan or Chinese virus is racist. Of course, they couldn't stop referring it to that until they realized their Chinese masters wanted them to stop saying that. And so these are the situations. And of course, when it comes to hospital beds, Schumer doesn't talk about his own New York and the rules that are in New York. When it comes to having information about this virus, Schumer never criticizes Xi or the communist regime in China. Schumer is following the the demands of the Chinese propagandists and won't call it the Chinese virus or the Wuhan virus. 
Schumer's just a sleazeball. Let's just admit it. He's a sleazeball. He's a sleazebag, whatever you want to call him. He's just a lousy, rotten human being dressed up as a senator, which doesn't take much, as it turns out. Let's take a call or two, shall we? Let's go to Debbie. Let's see here. Debbie in Alabama. How are you, Debbie? I'm doing well, Mark. Thank you. It's a great pleasure to speak with XM you. Satellite, thank you. Go right ahead, my friend. All right. I don't understand how governors, city council people, and, and, and mayors can shut down small businesses, just put people out of work, yet they're collecting a paycheck via the people they just put out of work. But more... Why the arbitrary dates? I, I just learned this morning that our March 31st runoffs are, are going to be postponed. Now, they give an arbitrary date. What's going to happen after that? Um, is, is something with this virus going to happen different? It's going to change everything? And how do they know It's that? only going to get worse, so I don't know when you're going to vote. I know, and I'm watching my liberties going down the drain, and 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 no, everybody. Oh, it's for the good of the. People. I'm going to tell I you, don't... you're right, you're right, ma'am. Keep an eye on your liberties. There are things that need to be done, but some things are being done, in my view, particularly by the left, the media, the Democrats, media matters, media organizations like that, the MSNBC types, the MS, yeah, the CNN types, which will have a direct impact on your liberty in the future. They don't even discuss it. They don't even want to discuss it. And anybody who dares to raise it, especially me, will get trashed. Thank you, Debbie. We appreciate it. We're going to take a few more calls. I see some really good ones on the board. I'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S. temporary number 866-505-4626 that's 866-505-4626 don't worry it's only temporary andrew toledo ohio xm satellite go hello hey andrew shut your radio so you can hear our discussion please oh my radio is off how are you mark okay Go right ahead, am, uh, please. I'm just calling. I'm just calling to let you know that as a truck driver, it would be so easy for the spread of this virus because you got truck drivers that go to these truck stops, and if somebody touches something that has it, and then another one touches it, and they're going in different directions, 
you know, it could spread very quickly throughout the truck driving community. And if that happens and you get a shortage of drivers, we're really going to be in trouble. And well, I'll- you're right. But I, I don't want to create what if, what if, what if scenarios. We hear enough of that. No, Truck right. drivers, like everybody else, I need to be very careful. You need to have the hand sanitizer, maybe even rubber gloves. Don't touch a lot of surfaces. Seriously. Uh, I, I know these stops. I've been to many of these stops, quite frankly. Just, you know, you got to be mindful of what you're doing. I have to be mind. We all have to be mindful of what we're doing now. No, you're right. I just also wanted to say shame on Pennsylvania for closing all their rest areas for two weeks. How do you expect truck drivers to be able to deliver stuff to you if you're going to close rest areas? That is so stupid. Shutting down the rest areas? Every single rest area in the state of Pennsylvania is closed for until March 30th, as of a couple days ago. So what's the governor going to do? Shut down commerce? I mean, it just doesn't make any sense because now you've got trucks parking on the side of the road, which is way more dangerous because they're out of hours. But I guess the governor is a great leader now, I'm sure, because he shut down the rest stops. Great leader. Well, yeah, well they're going to come out with statements thanking truck drivers, and then on the other hand, they're like, oh, well, we're going to shut down rest areas, so, you know. And also, restaurants are only doing drive through like, for food, so how are we supposed to get food if we're in a truck? We can't drive through a drive through well, That's true, too, isn't it? It is true, yes, sir. I, I guess you got to get out of the truck and walk up to the drive through guy. I can't think of anything else. Or maybe just make a bunch of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. That's what I'm doing now. But I tried to do that earlier, and they wouldn't serve it. But uh, you're very popular amongst truck drivers, Mark. I just wanted to let you know. I talked to a bunch of truckers, and a lot of us listen to you, and uh, and we love you. God bless you, Andrew, and thank you. And and you see, he raises a lot of practical problems, doesn't he? What are you shutting down rest centers for? You do your thing, and you get the hell out of there, and you get back in your truck or your vehicle, whatever your vehicle is. It's like they can't think of enough stuff. All right, let us continue. Let us go to Gene Johnson City, Tennessee. Isn't that home of Weber Grills? I think it is. Anyway, how are you, sir? Hello, Hello Mark. Yeah, how are you? Fine. How are you, sir? All right. Thank you. Uh, it's a pleasure talking with you, and thank you for taking my call. You got it. Uh I was uh, listening to you about the certificate of need in the state of Virginia and several other states that you had mentioned. Mm -hmm. And here in East Tennessee in the Tri-Cities area, I just want to let you know that the uh, the certificate of need is is alive and well because they use it quite frequently. In other words, the state uses the the rules to limit the ability to expand these hospital beds and, and acquire these various machines that are needed. Exactly. And about 15 years ago, we had two major hospitals in the Tri-Cities area, Wilmot and Mountain States Health Alliance. And Wilmot wanted to build another hospital in Johnson City. They acquired the site. They put up the sign. They signed the certificate of need. Seven or eight years later, they took down the sign because nothing ever got done with it. Then Mountain States, which was in this area, decided to put up a certificate of need for a hospital about two miles away from where they were going to build, and they got the okay to do it. Mm-hmm. And so what do you conclude now, from that? Well, now the Wellmont and the Mountain States have merged together, mm-hmm. and they're one big, one huge hospital here in East Tennessee, Southwest Virginia, Kentucky, and uh, North Carolina. So what do you conclude from that? 
I just conclude that uh, with the hospitals the way they were, it's it's very political, you know, in the areas where another hospital wants to come in and try to build something, or a doctor's office wants to come in and set up shop or whatever, and they have to go through a certificate of need. And let me tell you, that happened. That happened in my county. You had two yeah. hospital companies, these large companies, each wanted to build a hospital, and they only allowed one. They only right. allowed one. All right, my friend, thank you for your call. That was WJCW country. Let's go to Barry Monroe, Louisiana. Sirius Satellite, go. Uh, good evening, Mark. Nice to talk to you. Thank you for taking my call. Thank you. I wanted to, I wanted to talk to you. I'm a physician. Mm-hmm. I've been in practice almost 30 years. I've been in academic practice, and I've been in private practice. Mm-hmm. And I have a little bit of a background in medical economics from a master's in public health degree that I did at Johns Hopkins after I finished while I was doing my subspecialty training. It's not that easy just to increase ICU beds. They're expensive. It's not just a matter of having the beds. You need the equipment. More than that, you need the nurses to staff them. You need the physicians to staff them. And I can tell you the physicians and nurses right now are stretched to their limit with what we have right now. This is very, very important, what you're saying. And I've tried to explain now for two nights in a row the economics here that you can't be on crisis uh, spending and economic management every day of every year. It doesn't work that way. It can't, it can't, it can't, you can't function that way. And economically, you'll go broke doing that. But you raise another question. Okay, we have the beds. Uh, who's going to uh, attend to the people in the beds? Right. And then what if next year we have a, a radiologic incident and you've got burned patients and people suffering, suffering radiation uh, injury? You need a whole other sort of uh, physicians and uh, infrastructure for that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's complicated, and the hospitals are working on a very narrow profit margin. I can't believe you haven't had a CEO or hospital administrator call in and, and discuss mm-hmm. this with you. Mm-hmm. It's not that easy. No, and if you say that, nobody's going to believe you, by the way. It's just the, the propaganda is endless. But you raise a very, very important question. Okay, we get the beds. That's not enough. People have to attend to the people in the beds. Where are we going to get those doctors and nurses from? All right, Barry, very good call. I appreciate it. This is the problem the president's dealing with each and every day. Well, you have a guy like Schumer, goes to the Senate floor, says we're not doing enough, we need to get on top. Guy who's been in government his entire life. Trump comes in for three years, he's handling it, he's having to deal with all these deficiencies in the system. As he says correctly, it's an old system. Uh, and either that or that it's just not a system that's, that's built for what's taking place right now. And it's all true. And he is stepped up, he has stepped up in a big way. And he's having to deal with all these issues. Peter, Foley, Minnesota. I don't know how you're listening to us. How are you, sir? On the Mark Levin app. I see it. All right. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Hi, uh, Mark. It's uh, nice to talk to you. You're great. Uh, you're Thank you. Great service. Uh, with the media, I, I, I really think they're very dangerous now. <clears throat> and uh, to the point of uh, because of the siding with China and actually being their mouthpiece, they, they – they, they should be considered enemy combatants. 
mm. with uh, with uh, Comcast and uh, the Disney Corporation and AT and T, and CBS Viacom. They they aren't serving our nation, that's for sure. And they're actually operating against our nation. Well, Peter, I want you to listen to this and the whole country too. Don't hang up on Peter yet. I want you to listen to Cut Ten. This reporter asked the president this question, and and in the middle of all this, Cut Ten, go. Your, your credibility ratings are very low. There was a recent NPR poll. Who are you asking with that question? I'm uh, asking... Because I see that they're very high. You know, if you look, I'm 95% of the Republican Party. Uh, we so. just had a poll that was done by uh, uh, a very reputable group where I'm beating Sleepy Joe Biden by a lot in Florida, in the state of Florida, and in other states. Uh, you know, so I don't really know who you're talking about. Why, why would you ask a question like that? What does it have to do with anything? I'm quite no, I, serious. I think the only solution, pardon me, sorry. Yeah, no, go ahead. I think, I think the only solution is antitrust legislation, but the Republicans historically, you know, don't like that. And so that's why the media is sitting in this uh, perfect position. They know the Republicans aren't going to come after them, and the Democrats are on their team totally. To the point where uh, they can, like you said earlier, they can call the president Hitler, the Muslim, anything they want. And the media will soften it, they'll cover it. It's a real tag team effort. And uh, like I said, I, I think covertly, I wouldn't mind if Trump or a general took those four CEOs to Guantanamo Bay and said, hey, look, we're considering you enemy combatants. No, 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 no. You're taking it a bridge too far here. <clears throat> you can't start taking reporters and send them to Guantanamo Bay and your enemy combatants. Uh, but what I will say is this. The media have done us a grave disservice. You have a lot of mental munchkins. You have a lot of uh, ideologues, a lot of very immature people who work in these newsrooms who have a political and ideological agenda. And really, the issue is, when this thing first broke, what were they doing? Where were they? And how did they conduct themselves when it came to the president? And when you have a guy like Chuck Schumer making the statements he makes on the floor of the Senate, uh, there's no pushback in the media for his grotesque politicization and partisanship when it comes to this matter. It is, it is absolutely awful. We'll be right back. Mark AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America, now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine, full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Let's 
take a call here. Susan, Silver Spring, Maryland, the great WMAL. Go. Hey, Mark. Hi, this is Susan. Uh, thank Hi. you so much for taking my call. I wish you had a direct line to the president. <laughs> um, as well, someone who is deeply impacted by Sometimes the, I do. Uh, you never know. What's going? Yeah, okay. Well, I hope he's listening then. Um, as someone who's been deeply impacted by what's going on as um, an individual or an independent in the travel business, I am uh, basically not making any money. <laughs> but that being said, I am very, very surprised at this package, this financial package that the president is supporting. Um, with all the gobbledygook that's been um, stuck in there with the Democrats. How about, how about this vote on the House package where only eight Republicans voted no? And well, it is loaded with left-wing agenda items. I totally agree. That's why I'm, I'm a little bit uh, banging my head against the table of why he's in support of this. Um, uh-huh. And my other comment was something about the reporters. And then you said um, that, well, we all heard, of course, that um, they were thrown out of China, you know, for like, um, I think, right. the Washington Post, the Times. And then how come they are supporting the propaganda then? I don't, I don't get it. What am I missing? Well, you're right. It's disgusting. All right, my friend, I appreciate your call. Let's jump in. Jimmy, Brooklyn, New York, the great WABC. Go. Uh, hi, Mark. Uh, the threat to America is more than just this virus. This virus is bad enough. But right now, there's two to 3,000 red Chinese troops occupying the Philippines, and Putin's calling for his government to extend his so-called presidency. Putin is calling for that vote Until to be Until 2026. He, yeah, right, and he's calling for that vote to be held on April 22nd, which is Lenin's birthday. Mm. I'm telling you, all America's enemies are united. Their biggest goal, no matter what, at all costs, they have to defeat Trump. I think Order. Bernie Sanders celebrates that birthday. He probably does, but mm. at all costs, we have to make sure Trump gets reelected. The Democrat cities now are releasing prisoners early. Yeah, this I is- see that. What is that all about? Well, they want total chaos. They want economic collapse. They want to use this. To so they want to. Here's the what president. I mean. They want to release the prisoners, they say, so they don't get coronavirus. And they want to release them among the general population. Right. Now, this, this is what I'm saying. They use every opportunity they can. Pelosi was pushing abortion, federal taxpayer funded abortion. Pelosi has pushed these, uh, these big labor proposals with, uh, with government excuse, imposing on, on private business these sick leave payments and family leave and all the rest. She tried to slip that into the bill. She slipped some of it into the bill. Mitch McConnell went right along with it. Only eight Republicans voted against it. It's shocking. And communist China in the past said if half the world died in a nuclear war, it would not be such a bad thing because the Mm. new world would be communist. Mm. China killed 40, 50, up to 80 million of their own people, and they've been killing tens of thousands of us for decades. All right, Jimmy, I want to get on to another story. I do appreciate your point. I'm not trying to cut you off, but I got to move on here. And that's in the Daily Wire report. Coronavirus outbreak could have been reduced by 95 percent if China acted sooner. A recently published study from the University of Southampton estimated that the global outbreak of the coronavirus could have been dramatically reduced had China's communist government acted sooner. Uh, Too bad our our media and Schumer and the others are covering for China. The study relied on research from a population mapping group called World Pop, created the models. The research found that if the intervention in China 
could have been conducted one week, two weeks, or three weeks earlier. Cases could have been reduced by 66, 86, and 95% respectively, significantly limiting the geographic spread of the disease. But don't call it the Wuhan virus. Don't call it the China virus. Hell, one reporter said a few weeks ago, call it the Trump virus. Such BS. I want to thank all of you out there defending us, all of you out there who are trying to work earnestly on this problem. See you tomorrow. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.